Welcome to our fourth sermon in the series, Wrestling with Doubt, Finding Faith, for January 28, 2024. The theme for today's message is When Prayers Go Unanswered. And our texts for the message come from Psalm 22, verse 2, John 15, verse 7, and Luke 22, verse 42. First, the psalm. O my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Then in John 15, verse 7, we hear Jesus say, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And then in Luke 22, verse 42, we hear Jesus praying the night before he was crucified, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Let us pray. Almighty God, I'm so thankful today that you do hear and answer our prayers. But Lord, I also realize that your ways are not always our ways, and sometimes we don't understand the answers. But Lord, we trust that your will is best for us, and we submit our lives to your ways. Lord, give us grace to follow, even when we don't hear what we want to hear. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. God answers prayer. I know it to be true because I've experienced it. During my eighth and ninth grade years, I had four cases of pneumonia. I missed a lot of school in that time period. According to the pediatric pulmonologist at Children's Hospital, I had a condition known as bronchiectasis. Uh, Part of my lungs were damaged, causing me to have repetitive cases of pneumonia. I was familiar with it because my dad had lost two-thirds of a lung to the same disease. I remember his surgery, and I remember the scar that wrapped halfway around his body as I had to actually break his ribs to get in and remove part of his lungs. The idea of having bronchiectasis truly scared me. Well, at Children's, they scheduled me for a bronchoscopy and a bronchiogram, the two tests that would determine how bad the, uh, how bad the bronchiectasis was. Before going, though, before going to the hospital for those tests, I had, I had the chance to attend church camp at Camp Sumatanga. There was a lot of talk that week about God healing and about answered prayer. All day on Monday in our small group sessions, we were focused on how God answers prayer and how God actually still does heal people. I was a skeptic. I believed God could. I didn't doubt God's power, but I was not at all convinced that God would. I'd never known of anybody healed supernaturally, and I'd seen some showy stuff on the TV that I wasn't sure I believed. But still, I just wrestled with the idea. During the service on Monday night, my mind was racing with Bible verses like the one we read from John. Ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Other verses like the one where it says, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Well, at the end of the service, I went to the altar for prayer. They anointed me with oil. They laid hands on me and prayed. I knew at that moment I was healed. I could feel I could feel God's presence in my life. I could actually feel the tingling move through my body. I knew that I had been healed. But my story scared my parents. When I told them about my experience, they were afraid that the medical test would go bad 
and my faith would be damaged. They were worried that a bad result would convince me that God doesn't answer prayer and that maybe God wasn't real. They reminded me of my Uncle Joe, who died when I was just a little boy. Joe was in the Navy in the post-World War II area. One of his assignments was to watch the detonation of atomic bombs. When I was still very young, he was diagnosed with lung cancer that we always wondered if it wasn't connected to all of that radiation. He was a godly man. I remember going to church with him at Wesley Memorial United Methodist in Sylacauga. There were literally hundreds of people that were praying for his healing. But Joe died anyway. When I was just a little boy, Joe died. I remember his death clearly. My parents reminded me of this story to try to help me understand that prayer doesn't always work out the way we want. But for me, it did. I did have the test at Children's Hospital, and my lungs were perfectly normal. I was convinced that this prayer thing works. Not only that, I had no more issues with pneumonia. I was strong. I was convinced that prayer works. When we're sick, we pray and we're healed. It's as simple as that. Then on my 27th birthday, I discovered a tumor in my body. I didn't worry too much. I knew how this worked. Ask God for anything in God's will and you get it. Surely my sickness was not God's will. That couldn't be, I was sure. After all, I had given my life to ministry for God. I had dedicated my entire life to full-time Christian ministry. Surely God would take care of me. All I had to do was pray and everything would be fine. And so, in fact, I did pray and, and many, many others prayed for me. Everything would be fine, I thought, except that it wasn't. The tumor did not miraculously disappear, so I had surgery. Then I had to wait on the pathology report. And so we prayed again. Surely it won't be cancer. It was benign. Surely God won't allow me, one of his servants and one of his ministers, to have cancer. The pathology report came. It was cancer. Radiation followed. 14 days of radiation at UAB Hospital. I was confused and a little angry. I wanted to know what God was doing wrong. Walking in the backyard, I found some tomatoes that had volunteered in my yard. I heard God in my heart. Sometimes I cause fruit to grow in strange places. Perhaps God was doing that in my life. A difficult time might teach me something I needed to know. I'm not saying that God caused the cancer. I don't believe that at all. But perhaps God allowed the experience for my own benefit. God led me to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. Uh, Shadrach, uh, the, the king at the time, uh, they were in captivity, and the foreign king at the time uh, prohibited the worship of God, that everybody had to bow down and only worship the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three of the Hebrew children, refused to worship the king and continued to bow down three times a day and worship God. They were arrested, brought before the king, and the king is about to throw them into the fiery furnace to be devoured. The king actually says to them, I hope your God is able to defend you. They answered in Daniel 3.17, If our God, whom we serve, is able to del deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But then verse 18 really caught my attention. But if not, 
Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. The faith of the Hebrew children was not one that said, God, if you heal me, then I'll follow you, but one that says, even if God does not heal, even if God does not, we will still serve him and him only. Man, that just spoke volumes to me that that my my calling was to serve God even when things didn't go my way, even when God didn't behave the way that I thought God should. Sometimes it even seems that our prayers are unheard. It happened to Jesus. On the night before he was crucified, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed three times, asking his father to deliver this to deliver him from this cup, to deliver him from the cross that was coming. Three times Jesus prayed, asking his father, God, to save him from the cross. There isn't even an answer recorded from God. There is no response at all from God recorded in the scriptures. Jesus asked and was met with silence, only silence. But Jesus obeys anyway. Jesus serves God even when God does not do things the way that Jesus requested. Those times remind me of the purpose of prayer. Often we approach prayer like a Christmas wish list. We rattle off our request and wait for God to slide down our chimneys and meet our demands. That's about the extent of prayer for some of us. But Oswald Chambers reminds us that the purpose of prayer is not answers. The reason we pray is not to get stuff. Our purpose for prayer is not answers, but unity with Christ. We don't pray to get stuff. We pray to be united with Christ. Of course, Jesus does invite us to ask for our needs as we should. I pray for healing a lot. I pray for peace a lot. Sometimes I see it work out the way that I hope. But ultimately, we respect God's will. God understands far more than we do, and we can't pretend to be telling God how to run things. I want to encourage all of us to cultivate lives of prayer, a regular conversation with God. Prayer is the lifeblood of our relationship with God. No relationship can last without good communication. That is especially true of our relationship with God. And certainly ask for the desires of your heart. We should do that because Jesus said to. But always give preference to God's will, like Jesus did. God, I really want you to fulfill my desires, but ultimately I choose to follow your will. Trust in God's purposes for your life. I want to close out our message today with a beautiful prayer that I pray every day. It's a reminder uh, that we are called in prayer to submit ourselves to the will of God and to allow Christ to lead us. It's a covenant prayer by John Wesley. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
Thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.